0: everyone. I am Farah Kimji and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. This week's episode is especially near and dear to my heart. I had the opportunity of being introduced to our guest, Alana Davis, through a good friend of mine. And in this episode, Alana shares her journey with us from being on the streets and in shelters from the age of 16 to launching her own business and luxury beauty studio in her late 30s after almost 20 years on social assistance. Following her passion for beauty as a means to bond with women also in the system and connecting by healing through trauma, Elena infuses both beauty and energy healing in her business now to help women feel beautiful inside and out. Alana Davis is an accomplished medical aesthetician, creative makeup artist, and hairstylist with over 16 years of experience working with high profile clients on projects featured in television and print media. Her diverse background and experience make her a unique voice in the beauty industry. Alana's work has been featured by E! Entertainment Television, CTV, 20th Century Fox, the Toronto International Film Festival, Toronto Fashion Week, Holt Renfrew, Top Chef Canada, and The Real Housewives, just to name a few. As the owner of a private medically-directed studio located in the Yorkville area of Toronto, Alana offers innovative skincare treatments and works with the world-renowned photographers, designers, models, and stylists. With a firm belief in integrity, gratitude, and beauty, starting within, Alana is an advocate for self-love and acceptance. As a person of color herself, She is passionate about representation in the beauty industry and offering services tailored to all backgrounds, life stages, and ethnicities. This was an incredible episode, and I can't wait for you guys to tune in. Hi, Alana. Welcome to the Futura Talks podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So, as you know, on this podcast, I like to start at the very beginning of people's journey. So Alana, can you tell me what you were like as a child and what you aspired to be when you grew up? As a child,
1: I was an insane little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I was jumping off walls. I was like climbing walls. Um, but yeah, just like full of life, which I feel like I still am. Um, and I want to be a psychologist. I want to work with people. Yeah. I want to help people navigate life. And I feel like the career that I'm in now is a little mix of that. So.
0: Oh, interesting. And what was it about psychology? Do you think, because I find like, there's not a lot of what, 10, 12 year olds that are thinking, I want to become a psychologist. So what was it about that path that, you know, made you think that's what you want to be when you grow up?
1: I just always loved connecting with people. I always loved hearing people's stories. I always loved being the person to give some advice. Um, it was just always, it always felt good to help people like navigate difficult situations in their life. And I just always connected with that at such a young age. Yeah. That's so
0: interesting. All right. So Alana, tell me then a little bit more about, you know, your upbringing and what your high school years were like for you.
1: So I grew up with a Pakistani Indian family um, and, you know, very religious, very, uh, very religious, uh, which then led into like a separation. I was dating out of my race and that um, that was a no, no in my family Mm -hmm. so um I left home at the age of 16 and I was living in a woman shelter stop 86 which is um through YWCA the Young Women's Christian Association Mm -hmm. um and that's where I really started that's where I spent most of my you know Conformative years where I really grew into a young woman that I am today, the woman that I am today. Um, and where my life lessons really started. When when you're growing up in a strict family, you don't really, you don't really have um an opinion, (laughs) or I didn't have an opinion in a strict family. It was very much like what your parents say, go. And if you step outside of that, then there's uh for me anyways, there was there was a huge issue with that. So um yeah, in my teenage years I spent most of them living uh on the streets essentially.
0: Wow. So what what age were you when you, you know, left home, so to say? I was sixteen. Sixteen. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, did you reconnect with your your parents at all?
1: no like I mean there was like some communication here and there but I mean it's been about like 26 years almost since I saw like my mother's right yeah So, so so
0: tell me then what was it like you know at 16 being on the street you know being in a shelter growing up you know like you said your formative years obviously teaching you a lot of life lessons but you know tell me about that time
1: um It was difficult. You know, I think that when you grow up in a South Asian home, like I said earlier, it's very much about the respect of the family and the respect of the parents, which is a beautiful thing. You know, my culture, our culture is full of so much beauty when it comes to respect and loyalty. Um, But there's also a naivety that comes with that. So, you know, you don't you're not really exposed to the world. Mm -hmm same way as some of my friends were so when I left home it was very difficult because when you're living in a woman's shelter you're living with drug addicts and Mm -hmm. you know people that are in the sex trade industry you know strippers and escorts and hookers and it was a lot of life coming at me very quickly um Mm -hmm. but again because I want to be a psychologist (laughs) as a (laughs) kid I guess it was a perfect place for me to really um, understand life and really hear people's stories. You know, when I was growing up, um, I think that because I was so sheltered, uh, there was a little bit, I was very judgmental. You know what I mean? Because I'm just used to living in a box. And then when you're living in the real world and you're seeing all these people from different walks of life, I really realized how beautiful and complex life can be. Mm -hmm. And you never know what somebody's going through. Um, and yeah. Some, yeah. Well,
0: you had to grow up really fast, obviously, yeah. just overnight dealing with a lot of these challenges. How how did you stay true to yourself when you were in an environment now that was so different than your actual upbringing? And now you're in an environment where you're surrounded by people who are facing a lot of challenges, yourself included navigating that and you know how were you influenced during that time to sort of go down the path that you ended up going down the rest of your high school years and into your early 20s
1: so I I wasn't when I was in the shelter I didn't go to high school I ended up getting my GED okay. um, yeah. but the one thing that um, um, you know this is a really emotional part of my life and my upbringing because Um, I haven't spoken a lot about this, about like living in a shelter and being on the streets on a public forum um, with many people, you know, or even shared it with many people. So um, back to your question about like how it like, you know, built me as a person and how I was able to survive it. I think when you're in really tough situations like that, your flight or fight goes off. Mm -hmm. And that's honestly what is your survival mechanism but also with that I've always been such a spiritual person and not even knowing it at such a young age I was always so intuitive um and thankfully even in like the darkest corners of this world and even with the people that are in that darkness with you there's often light and that's the one thing that I realized and they were a lot of girls that I was living with that were, you know, we were sharing bunks together. We were sharing rooms together. Like, you know, it's like, it's a shelter. So it's like, it's not like a glamorous place. You know what I mean? And there's fights and there's people like, I remember my bunkie one night I was up with her all night and she's like ripping, you know, towels with her teeth because she's on a drug. And I don't know what the hell this drug is, but even in that moment, I remember her looking at me and being like, never do drugs, never do. So it was like when wow. I was navigating all of this stuff, instead of being curious, as also being protected. There was, you know, a girl named Venus who was a streetwalker. And I remember I would always watch her do her hair and her makeup while she got ready to go on the stroll in Toronto. And I remember once she just looked at me and she's like, never be like me never sell your body, never, never do the things that I have to do for money.
0: And you had, you had some serious protection and angels, real life angels helping you. If you think about that, because it would have been not to say, but probably pretty easy for you to go down those paths. We're immersed in that world where, like you said, the people literally in the same bed and room as you were in this lifestyle yet they could see that you know something about you they just did not want that life for you they probably didn't want that life for themselves either but yeah. they knew that you had still not yet gotten into that life
1: yeah right? for sure. and and I think and when I got there I was so green you know what I mean I was so young I was so naive so when a lot of these girls saw me I believe, I truly believe that a few of them were like, oh my God, she's like a little sister. Like she doesn't know anything. Like, you know what I mean? And when I did go there, like, I couldn't even, like in the mornings, you should have to leave. And the the, the social workers won't even let me leave because they're like, this girl never yeah. been downtown. down. We, we can't let her walk around by herself. So yeah, I definitely had a lot of um, angels and uh, people protecting me throughout my life, which I'm very wow. thankful. Or when it's funny, right, that like sometimes strangers will protect you more than your own family that puts you in certain situations. So I've been very fortunate and lucky for that, because a lot of young women that are on the streets or in these shelter systems, they haven't had the, the privileges that I've had navigating life.
0: Absolutely. It's you know, your story is so incredible, especially, you know, standing where you are now, right? Just two weeks ago, I came to you or maybe a week ago now um, for a facial in your studio in Yorkville, which is, you know, for those of us, those of you listening, a very glamorous area, part of Toronto, very luxurious. And Alana's studio is gorgeous. And she gave me the most amazing facial, but to know that at 16, that was your story to now where you are. How did you navigate, you know, being from being in a shelter to getting yourself, you know, on your own two feet and being established? Tell us what that time was like, because you've clearly come, you know, it's been 20 years in the making, but I'd like to know what those earlier years were like for you.
1: Um, you know, when I first left the shelter, you know, I was living in housing, I was on social assistance, and I was actually on social assistance till 2017. And, and that's when I was living in housing, too. So I was in housing and on the system, so to speak, for a very, very long time. And when I met my husband, you know, this may sound cliche, you know, to some people, but I never had um I never had family and I never had um true love around me you know when you're when you're living in certain situations and you're surrounded around certain people uh it's very difficult to see what's really available to you uh but when, when I met him is when I really uh received the love that I deserved um and that I was looking for and through that is when I really started to look at my surroundings and say, I don't want to live around. I don't want to be fighting cockroaches on a Sunday girl. Yeah. (laughs) I don't, (laughs) I don't want to like, I want to come home to a safe space. I want to like come home when it's dark and not be worried about who's in the elevator with me. You know, who's arguing outside my door. Am I going to wake up to someone laid out, you know, with a needle in their arm? Like I, I was just like, this is not for me. And I used to walk around Yorkville and just always think that none of this is available to me, Mm. how I started getting into the beauty industry. And the way that I got into that was when I was on welfare, I was riding the system, so to speak. You know, it was very... You know, I always used to say like, you know, housing is my father and welfare is my mother. And as long as I have the two, I'm going to be safe. I'm always going to have a roof over my head. I'm always going to have food in my belly. And I always was working jobs where I would make a little bit less so that my rent wasn't too high or I wouldn't get kicked off of welfare because I was so scared to support myself. Um, And then I had a really good welfare worker which a lot of people don't have the luxury of having you know um she wasn't judgmental she just looked at me one day and she said you're a young girl like you can't stay on social assistance for the rest of your life like what are you going to do and you know she's like you look like you like beauty and hair and makeup so she's like why don't you go back to school for that and I said okay not thinking that it was going to really bring my past into my future because growing up in the shelter, again, like that was when all of the girls connected, right? Like when I would get my hair braided or we would do each other's mm. makeup or things like that. Those are the moments when we really made each other feel beautiful. We we felt human. Um, so that's how I really so started interesting. to. Yeah. You're so,
0: again, so lucky to have that social worker that nudged you into yeah. a direction that you could really connect with. But even in that moment, could you see so far ahead to say, I'm gonna build a whole life and business and career around this? Or was it just I'm gonna take this and see where it goes? What 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 were you feeling at that time when you said yes to going back to school and 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 going into the you know beauty industry studying? Not,
1: uh, not then, not until I started to receive the confidence and the love in my life that I deserved is when I really was, was, was pushed and I realized my self-worth. Does that make sense? It's like Mm -hmm. when, like, yeah, you, you, when you, when you feel worthless and you feel like I mean, you know, I'm in my late thirties. Like I, I thought I was going to be dead at 30. Like I never thought that I was going to even be this age. So, you know, when you feel worthless and you're just like past life is just passing you by, um, no, I didn't see it. I didn't see it until I started to, does that make sense what I'm saying?
0: It does. I think, you know, you had this finally had this person and I think you're alluding to having your husband, your now husband, Yeah be the first person to really say yes to you and, and, and have the confidence and belief and faith and, you know, love. And then I think maybe that you could actually trust in that first time in your life where you could trust that that was real. And that gave you the ability to see past just your circumstances that had become your reality for 30 years or, you know, however long at whatever oh. age that was. Yeah.
1: And then I was working at salons and, you know, doing shampoo or doing hair extensions or, you know, at the time I was working at Mac and working part time. And then I, you know, I started makeup lady, which is, was a mobile hair and makeup um, company. And, you know, um, Well, let's, let's back up there. So
0: you're, you go from, you're on, you know, you're on welfare, you're in the housing system to now saying, okay, I've, I've gone and taken some schooling in this area, uh, but and you're working at Mac, but to transition to say, I'm going to start makeup lady and start just going and doing this for myself and on my own, that's a big leap, right? Most people, even now with all of the comforts of life that they've had growing up, the support of their family, whatever it might be, Don't go and bet on themselves and say, I'm going to go and just run a business on my own. Like, Tell us what was going through your mind when you said, and were you still working at Mac or was this in addition to or on the side? How how was that all working out at that time? Because I I always like to know the moment in people's life where they decide to
1: bet on themselves. I didn't bet on myself. I okay. I didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. It was honestly, I have to give credit to my wonderful husband, Jonathan Davis. He had, a, he had a company Davis SEO and he was doing web design and online marketing. And he said to me, he's like, you need to start your own business. He's like, you know, he was showing me other makeup artists that were doing mobile and, you know, and he built my website and really pushed me to start. He had,
0: he had the belief. He had the belief had in the you belief. that you could do that. He had and the belief. And
1: then, yeah, and once he, once I started that and I started to get calls from people that were finding me online and I was going and being booked out for weddings, that's when I don't even think he realized that he lit that hustler, fire in me. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's really incredible because sometimes I think we all think we have to do it alone. Mm-hmm. And the the idea of doing it alone stops us from even getting started because it can be scary, there's a lot of doubt and fear. But when you have that person, whether it's your first customer or whether it's your partner, or wh- whoever it is that believes in you mm-hmm. and helps reinforce the belief in you. Uh, And I think you were also tethering to, you know, examples of people who were doing it, right? Like you said, you were following other women and that coupled with his belief and you said, well, I could, I could do this, or at least I could try.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when I started getting my clients, they were majority of them were living in Yorkville, Forest Hill, Rosedale. So I'm like trucking my little makeup and hair kit along from this horrible, you know, from this building that I didn't want to be in. I'm not going to say horrible because it was my home, but this building that I didn't want to live in till these mansions and these homes that I've never seen. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this is what hard work can achieve you. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, yeah. it, and, and sometimes I I mean, I've seen it too. And then I look at the people who are living in those homes and the lives they're living and the careers they're doing. And often there isn't tons of separation between them and you in terms of what they're doing. You're like, well, I could do this. Maybe, yes, there's separation in terms of how they were raised Mm -hmm. and what family they came from and whether they came from money and all these other things. But in, in terms of the actual work, and the way that they're showing up and how they're helping people, I, I, you know, you start to realize, well, I don't need all those things to be able to be successful. Like I don't need the good schools and the rich uncles and the, you know, to be successful. Um, but sometimes it's not easy to, to know that. Right. And it takes someone believing in you. Um, but when, when did you feel like you started to really believe in you? So you had your husband, you know, and and he what was he your husband at the time, or your boyfriend at the time my
1: boyfriend at the time, yeah. yeah.
0: so your boyfriend at the time was believing in you. And when did you start really feeling the confidence in yourself?
1: When I started to really manage my business, when I started handling my accounting, I started like building my business. You know what I mean? Like someone can bring you to water, but you're the one that has to drink it, right? So, I definitely when I started to really tap into my entrepreneurial spirit, I started building my brand and not knowing what I was doing because mm-hmm. I never had a formal education surrounding like business development or anything like that. It was all just like figuring it out. Um, and then the response that I was getting was really, you know, building my self-confidence, you know, the make- my makeup application and my hairstyling and the way that I was dealing with my clients and the connection that I was able to make with people. Um, I feel like my background has given me um, the lessons of life where, like, I can really connect with people on a deep level and people feel very comfortable with me right away. And I started seeing value in that. And I also started seeing healing in that. And I also started seeing how I was adding to other people's lives Um, and they were adding to mine. So, all of that was just really reinforcing this passion that was building inside of me of wanting to be successful.
0: Yeah, and I I want to just break down what you shared there a little bit. First, I think, you know, a lot of people think I'll start a business once I have the confidence and the skill set to start that business. The reality is the confidence and even the skills get built when you start the business. Yeah. It's not the other way around. I I went to business school and I can tell you I learned more about business by starting my business than I ever did in my commerce degree or in my MBA or I'm a chartered accountant, all these skills that teach you how to run a business or are supposed to. And I will say, I learned more about business by just doing it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good lesson that you're sharing too, is I learned it by just doing it. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is, You know, as you're going and you're serving these clients, you're discovering a lot about yourself and you shared in there that, you know, had this kind of connection to your clients as, as as many of our listeners would know, when you get your makeup done, it's a very intimate experience. Uh, Speaking from someone who loves to get their makeup done, you sometimes show up there with nothing on your face and that in and of itself is an act of vulnerability, right? To just show not a lot of people for me, at least see me without my makeup. (laughs) So when you show up to a facialist or to someone who does makeup and you're, they're seeing your skin raw, right? Like you're already a little bit intimate, but I think for you and I've experienced it because I came into your space and I had the chance of, um, having a facial with you, you do something a little bit different than I have experienced in any other facial. And, you know, there was an energy healing component, but you definitely know how to connect very well with your client's where do you Where do you think that came from? And how have you actually infused that
1: into the services that you're offering? So again, I'm going to say life experience is how I've learned to connect with people, um navigating life on your own. Like there's nothing like there's a school of hard knocks, right? It's like the best university. Um, so that's how I learned to connect with people. But with my services now, what I'm really doing and what you were talking about is infusing, energy healing into a very, into beauty, into, into facials and, um, just taking my energy healing practice, which I'm, I just recently completed a pure energy healing course, uh, through lemon house in Spain, which was a phenomenal course. Um, but infusing that into beauty, because I feel like as I'm you know, maturing in this industry. And like you said, the vulnerability, and that's the best part about the beauty industry, in my opinion, is when someone's sitting in your chair, they have no makeup on, their hair is pulled back, or they just got a fresh wash, or they're laying on your bed and they're about to receive a facial, they have no makeup on, they're showing me everything that they hate about their skin, you know, the acne, the fine lines, the acne scar, all of that. And they're coming to you to heal that. As an esthetician, I really quickly understand that like the way that we look on the outside really unfortunately affects how we feel on the inside Mm -hmm. so what I decided to do was kind of like flip that and have people come in start with a staging start with some breath work start with listening to some mantras and then infuse some energy healing into that and the results have been phenomenal not only because I'm a fabulous esthetician (laughs) you are (laughs) And I get some good results with my skin, but also the transformation internally really gets reflected by the skin. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what I'm really really concentrating on now. And I'm really, really loving it. And my clients are loving it. And there's, it's it's really a niche, you know what I mean? Because it's not something, yeah. And it's something that's special to me, which is really powerful for me to feel Mm -hmm. um, because it it is.
0: It is, I'm sorry not to cut you off, but it is definitely an
1: untapped area. It's an untapped area and it's an area that not you can't just go you know, everything in this world, you know, I've been been in this game for a minute, you know what I mean? And I've worked fashion weeks, I've worked editorials. That's how I started off as I was building before. And then why I fell in love with skin was through like fashion week and all these editorials and working with these beautiful models that had horrible skin because their skin is being ruined during fashion week and these photo shoots to then needing like ointments to heal it. That's when I started falling in love with skin. But more through that, it was like, everything is very fashion and everything is very surface level sometimes in the beauty industry and why I also created a private studio where it's one-on-one where people can feel completely vulnerable mm-hmm. and completely safe but now when you add in the energy component that's the part that's 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 my added on sauce so to speak mm-hmm. because it is an untapped area, but it's an area that not everyone can tap into because not everyone's meant to, or want to Agreed. incorporate yeah. spirituality or energy healing into things. So it, I'm very excited about it. And I'm very, I,
0: I think it's a really special gift that you have because most people, when they're doing any energy healing work, that's sort of over here. And then your facial is over here and there's a massive disconnect between those two things. And like you said, it's not, usually don't go to the same person for both. Right. Um, and, but what I think is really unique is because you're with people when they're very vulnerable, like we talked about when they're pointing at all their flaws and that's coming from some probably deeper insecurities that they also have right They're they're on your, your, um, there to feel beautiful, And like you said, that can be an inside job as well. So Mm -hmm. to be able to say, well, here's someone who is trying to connect with their beauty and I want to help them have their insides match their outsides almost right in this way where I can heal both. I can, you know, they can look in the mirror and love what they see, but they can also feel good about themselves because I'm helping them to heal their inside. Like, I think that is just such a unique capability for you to be able to offer and service for you to be able to offer to people that I really haven't seen out there. And I I just personally love it. I think it's really cool. So tell us a little bit more than about the studying and and the stuff that you've been doing on the energy healing side and how you got into that.
1: So when I was younger, I, um, again going back to living in this this crazy time of this building wow like you know like you think that you uh, having this conversation with you far like I realized like thinking like I'm like oh like I'm in a different space so like I don't really think about my past that often And like I said earlier like I don't really talk about it that much but when you're asking me these questions I'm like wow like was like the best lesson. All of that that trauma was actually very good lessons. But when I was living in housing, I, I was very scared. and there's a lot of and as an intuitive person and other intuitive people that are watching this, they'll understand when I say that there was a lot of energies that were in the building a lot of bad energies and Mm. I had to protect my home. And the way that I protected my home was through saging, through crystal placement, uh, through energy healing in my home, when I didn't even know what I was doing. So as I start to really tap into my spirituality, I was thinking, oh, I need to, I want to become a Reiki master. I don't know how this is all going to work and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, like everything in life and divine timing. um, Recently I when I really, when COVID happened and I was really reevaluating my business um, and people were coming in, it was a different intuitive experience when I was doing a facial because when people lay on my bed, I can kind of feel or have a sense that, okay, like they're feeling heavy today. What can I do to release that? And I would always pull out the stage and be like, all right, let's do a deep breathing. Let's do a clearing. Let's like really center you. Let go of all your thoughts on what's going on in the world. Um, and then thankfully- Just randomly, I was on YouTube listening to one of my favorite um, spiritual mentors, Mark Bieske, and he started talking about this uh, energy healing course that him and Leila Seti were doing, um, and I signed up to it. So it was just perfect timing on how I got involved with energy healing, but I was already doing that. So now this this course has just really um, brought everything together for me. Um, so the energy healing I do separately, um, where you'll come in, you lay down, it's an hour session and we do a release with that. Um, and then with the full, with the facial energy healing or the energy healing facials, Um, that is where I incorporate sound, um, aromatherapy, energy healing, as well as um, your facial. And I really tell my clients to look at the facial like a cleansing, a physical cleansing, where we're removing that shield that you've placed on your skin, on yourself, when you're navigating this world, you know, all of those tears that you've had to swallow all of the, all of whatever gunk is in you, picture that on you. And we're releasing that through the medical grade skincare treatments and the energy healing is going to really help open everything up and release that as well.
0: Wow. This is just so incredible. Like I haven't, you know, come across a business like yours. Let's just put it that way. And I, I think I always like to say to people, your mess is your message. Mm
1: -hmm. And so
0: when you said that you got into energy healing because of, you know, the place that you were at and you had to protect your space, look at what it has become now. It has become the foundation of part of your business. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of, a lot of businesses start because of a, a a problem someone's trying to solve for themselves that then that they then say I can solve this now for others right so it's just very good inspiration for our listeners here today to say to start thinking about the things that they've had to solve in their own life for themselves as maybe an opportunity to help others with
1: because
0: Absolutely. even for me this podcast I never felt like I had a voice. I was never represented. I, you know, I just, I kind of felt like I had to, you know, do things to stand out. I had to be really, really smart in order to be seen or heard or all of these other things. And now I've created this podcast to to help others with the things that I never had growing up the platform, the voice, the ability to uplift, to, to build businesses, to give people the resources that they need to succeed, that they might not get because they didn't go to the right schools or this or that. So though that I think is just really interesting how you've taken all the parts of your life and now infused it and consolidated it almost into the foundation for your for your current business. It's very, very exciting and very different. Um I I just love that that you're sharing that with us. So you know you let's let's get let's get back into your story a little bit because we've we've gone you know all over but in a very beautiful way. But what I want to know is how did you go from you were you know working at Mac, you started the mobile makeup lady to then having an address You know, you're going around to all these luxurious homes in, in Yorkville to now having your own address where these customers and clients can come to you in Yorkville to, to come and get their beauty services. How, how did you manage that? How
1: did that happen? So I need, I needed a home for my business. Like doing mobile was great, but when I was essentially in the beginning doing weddings, um, a lot of people will be like, oh, can I book you for like an event? Or can I book you for just a blowout? Or can I just book you for whatever? I then realized I'm like, ooh, running around all day in a cab, going to different yeah. locations, setting up, tearing down. I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I had to find uh, a salon and I found Shag Salon in Toronto. Um, I was on a photo shoot with one of the owners, Justin, and, um, you know, I was telling them that I'm mobile and he's like, oh, you should come by. And I'm like, oh, perfect uh and when I went to the salon I loved it I was renting a chair um and then as I started getting deeper into skin that's when I'm like okay I need my own space um Mm. so it was very organic the way that it grew in terms of space um where I was like okay now I'm promoting my skincare and aesthetic services and then I started renting their basement and then I needed more space (laughs)
0: Wow. It's pretty cool though. It's a it's a big deal, I think, to have sort of a brick and mortar location where people yeah. can come to you. Alana's face is really beautiful. I love that it's just one-on-one. That's the other thing that is special about what you do because often when we go and get our beauty services and we're like amongst all these other people. And, you know, you just sort of like, I don't want them to see me while my hair is still yeah. wet or while my, you know, when I don't have any makeup on or this or that, and and maybe I'm showing my own insecurities, but it, it is no, quite- we're all like that. We're all yeah.
1: like, that. absolutely. And that's why, like when I was working, uh, when I was renting from that salon, I was like, okay, I need my own space. I need an Alana Davis studio. I need, you know, I need my own space. I can't have anyone around me because of the conversations that are being had and the type of services and the way these services are being done. Like, could you imagine like, you know, you're in a big salon and then there comes the girl with the sage. Yeah. Right. You, you can't do <laughs> like, things What's going on.
0: Yeah. You can't do things in the way that you want to do them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty incredible. So, you know, you have this location and for, for those listening, I want to just address this because the last few years of business must have been a little bit difficult for you. Toronto actually was one of the most locked down cities in the world due due to COVID. And actually, we only really fully opened back up in March of this year. But the beauty industry specifically, especially if you were doing facials and things like that. Got hit even harder and had even more restrictions before you could be fully open. So, how did you navigate through that time in your business?
1: Oh my God, it was so scary. I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? Like, how, like, how is this all gonna work out? So, the number one thing that I did was I I I jumped online. I, I started my e-commerce website and to sell the skincare products that I I carry. So when I started alanadavisstudio.com. Um, and I started marketing that and sending the emails to my existing client list and letting them know, Hey, there's an online shop for all your skincare needs. Um, and the orders started coming in. I took a little bit of a deep breath, a very tiny yeah. breath. Yeah. Um, but navigating it was very, very scary. I had to really learn the power of social media and marketing <laughs> mm-hmm. very, very, very quickly. Um, And uh, it made me really realize how lucky I am to have such a phenomenal client base because the outpouring of support from friends and family and, you know, my co-worker, sorry, my my clients and my other um, hairdresser and and beauty industry friends, you know what I mean, my colleagues, um, the amount of support and, and how we all really came together to help support each other's businesses was beyond, 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 beyond. And then- as we started having, and you know, in the beauty industry, it 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 was so shitty because, like it would be open and then closed, open and close, especially with for for facials, which made sense because we weren't able to wear masks. So, you know, yeah. when stylists were allowed to do hair styling and and thank God I had like some of that, which isn't the main part of my business. Um, I was still able to do a little bit of that with masks on, but the facial part was like almost flat line. Um, you. I really had to figure it out very, very, very quickly, uh, and it was hard. It was very, very difficult.
0: Yeah. What's interesting though is you almost were forced to innovate. Like you had to say, I got to get online, and I think a lot of businesses who embrace that instead of shied away from it, they're still here today. Uh, and that's just the reality. And now though, isn't isn't it interesting? I'm assuming that's still a very big part of your your business. Do you think you would have made the decision to start the online store had COVID
1: not happened? It would have have just been on a list. Like I knew that I want to have it, but because I was so focused on the hands-on, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, We'll get to one day. Yeah. yeah. One day, and then all of a sudden I had all the days. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: Fair. But it's interesting because now that's a whole kind of other line of business for you that can yeah. generate essentially passive, somewhat yeah. passive income. Like you got to
1: maintain it, but gotta maintain it. But it's great. Like last night at like one in the morning, I got an order online and I'm like, oh, great. Like, you know what I mean? So it's definitely a second business and, uh, it's been going fantastic. And I'm very fortunate to have that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reach, like you said, is beyond because now I'm shipping all over the world. Right. So that's so incredible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say besides COVID are some of the other challenges that you have faced as, as now an entrepreneur?
1: I think that the number one thing, and you know what it, it, this lesson actually um was a hard one was um creating space for myself as an entrepreneur. When you're first starting your business, especially in the service industry and the beauty industry, oh my God. like there's some horrible clients. And there's some like real Karen's and Ken's that come out the woodworks. and, are so rude and like demanding and entitled to your time. And I actually had that, 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 um, a situation like that recently where I had to essentially, you know, um, part ways with a client that I had for, for probably seven years, uh, because she didn't understand that I was booked and actually said to me, you know, I would have assumed given our relationship that you would have moved things around for me. So understand, right. But because she's a regular, she thought that she was entitled to my time. So, you know, that was, that was, you know, it was a great moment because it made me realize, Hey, I I've, I've done the groundwork. You know what I mean? I've done that where before, if a client came at me like that, you almost feel threatened because you're like, okay, well, this person is, Is paying me. They're paying my bills, essentially. Without clients, we don't have a business. So you want to try to make everybody happy. But then there also comes a point where you just have to say, you know what, I got to stay true to myself. I got to stay true to my hours. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: um and be very very careful the number one lesson definitely is be careful with how many favors you give people of yeah. course you want to go above and beyond for your clients that's without a doubt um but when the when the client starts feeling entitled over your time that's a very hard lesson mm-hmm. to navigate and learn
0: yeah and just setting up the right kind of boundaries almost um, to say done. this this is how I run my business Yeah, I'll respect how you run your life if you can respect how I run my my life and business. And I, it's it's. I'm glad you shared that because I think especially as women, we often try to just accommodate.
1: Yeah, and color too, right? Navigating any any business, you know, like I'm a BIPOC business, like you know, and with that comes its own challenges. And you know whether people want to see that or not, it does. And Mm -hmm. um, that you know. You just got, but you just got to navigate it.
0: (laughs) I I agree. And I find one thing that I've kind of had to really be firm with too, is just not just my time, um, because there's a lot of, well, actually time is a big one. A lot of times people want things for free and I naturally get on a call and I can give you in 30 minutes, I could probably revamp your whole business, Mm -hmm. but that's something I charge $500 an hour to do. And a lot of people don't understand that right? And just still want you to give that advice for free. The yeah. The other one is just negotiating. Yeah. And I think when someone has their price set, yeah, that's their pricing, you know, yeah. there's no deals. Maybe, maybe if you're buying in volume, maybe there's a deal yeah. there,
1: but yeah. otherwise, oh my God, that was the most <laughs> offensive. I would have people be like, oh, well, this person charges this. And my favorite line, and I was never shy to say, I'm like, oh my God, that's a really good price. Like, that's a great price. Like, you should probably go and- Get it, it from there. Yeah, that's you know the I reality. That like, that's insane to me. The fact I know. Because that- you wouldn't go to Halt Renfrew. You wouldn't go to anywhere and say- Mm, I don't want to pay that. (laughs)
0: Sorry, that Gucci bag is, Mm. can I pay this much for that Gucci bag instead of the five? Yeah. It doesn't work like that. And I, and I think us as women need to realize that, but also respect that for each other.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Right. We're going to get ahead when we all support and honor each other's
1: prices and time and boundaries and all of these things. Yeah. So and it hard, is right. Especially for hard. people that are listening to this, that are entering the beauty scale, scope. It's it's hard because our industry is much more. I mean, look at any movie that's about a salon. You're talking about the most inappropriate things. Yeah. You know, beauty industry. It's like you're hanging out with your home girl. You know what I mean? Or your homeboy. So it's very much like that where you almost become very comfortable with your clients you become friends with your clients yeah. but you have to remember that you know and i one 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 uh stylist a senior stylist i remember saying this to me she's like no client is your friend you know what i mean yes you can you can build relationships over time you know i i have clients that have become very close friends, like actual friends very rare mm-hmm. in between you have to be very careful with that because you can't do that with everybody yeah. because then these lines start to get blurred but the people that and I'll say this to especially the younger people that are entering the industry of course you're going to meet a client that you just thought you know I have one uh friend of mine Adriana that like I just had this heart connection with her as soon as she walked through the door and I'm like I've known her in a past life and you know I was navigating it because I'm like We need to hang out. And when we cross that, it's still this respect. My real friends, when they come to me for suicide, like our mutual friend, Sue, she's a very good friend of mine. She respects my time. She respects my services. Absolutely.
0: And I like, I actually personally love giving business to my friends. So I have friends like naturopaths and this, but it's when we're in that relationship, it's I am patient, not patient Farah, not friend Farah. And even I have some friends that I coach and they were joking with me the other day, like coach Farah is a whole other like persona versus friend Farah. But that's the way that we keep those relationships separate and professional. And I want to get results and I can't, I can't get you the results as friend Farah. I can get you the results as coach Farah. Absolutely. Right. And that, and we just have to keep that. So it's the same in the beauty industry. Cause you can't, like you said, it can't, it's so easy to get relaxed, yeah. but I think it, it is the upholding of that has to come from both sides. Yeah. Right. When you know, it can't just be you always enforcing it. It has to be,
1: you know, your, your, your clients as well. Absolutely. And it was hard for me to reinforce that boundary recently. And I just said, you know what? I I don't think that I'm the person for you. As a friend, it must—it
0: must feel good to say that sometimes. Girl, though, I felt so. It takes, it takes a long time to get yes! there.
1: Yeah. Yes, because I said, you know what? No absolutely not and like you know I tried to resolve it and she like it was just it was it was a situation but in that whole situation I handled myself respectfully as a business owner you know but I set my boundaries and I said no Mm -hmm. you're not entitled to my time and
0: yeah and you have to treat yourself
1: would never have done that I would have ate the crow and said okay okay, please don't go no
0: absolutely and I think when you start to treat your own business as, as as a serious business, then you teach others how to you know, react and and treat your business. Right. And it's hard in the early days because you, we, we just want to say yes, or we fear losing a client. But if you are losing a client because they're not respecting your boundaries, you're, you're going to be so much better off in, in the long run. So such a great lesson to learn. Thanks for sharing that. Um, What would you say that you love most about the
1: job that you do? I love the connections. Okay. I love the connections. I love, I love, I love the connections. I love making people feel good. I love doing a good job. I love when people come to me and, you know, I just had a young girl the other day come to me and she was 20 years old and she has cystic acne and we're getting some really, really good results. And you know, it. I love it. I love. Yeah. I love. I love that. I love how much trust people have for me, and it's great. You're you're
0: you're in the business of making people feel good and look good. Yeah. So I guess that that in of it in and of itself is probably very satisfying. Yeah. Um. I'd love to know how you're planning to continue growing and and scaling your business.
1: So I'm really focusing right now on finding. A little bit of a larger brick and mortar. Um, I think that's very important to me as a business owner is owning where my business is set up, not renting. So that's the number one thing that I'm really focusing on in terms of brick and mortar. When it comes to services, I'm really learning how to infuse the energy healing with the facials. Um, And then also my energy healing, you know what I mean? Um, That's essentially a separate business as well. Um, and, uh, so far I'm calling it happy in her crystals. (laughs) Oh, very fun. Yeah. A name that I had years ago and I'm like, is it professional enough? And you know, one of my girlfriends was like, yeah, it's fun. Just keep it. So I'm I'm going with it for now, but yeah, like you know, so I essentially have like three businesses on the grow. So I'm just trying to have a common thread between all of them. So that's really what my focus on, but I have some really great product lines that are coming in. Some really great technology for the skin that's coming in, I'm going to start tapping into some lasers and resurfacing um like that. Um, and then yeah, and then this whole crystal and energy thing. I don't know where that's gonna take me, but yeah. it's so far so good. Yeah. It's it's incredible. How are you, you know, doing this
0: all on your own? Do you have support or do you have plans to bring on anyone else onto your team?
1: That's hard. I thought that I wanted to maybe expand a little bit with having a team, but the one thing with how intimate my space is and how intimate my services are, um, I don't think so. I think that I want to continue being a single operator. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think in my industry, especially, that the only way to really sustain is by having staff. Um thank god like all things in life when you're when you have a question you usually find a confirmation and i recently met two women that are single operators and have been single operators for over 40 years so they're like becoming semi-retired one of them is a facialist and we met randomly i was selling a steamer on facebook marketplace an extra steamer i had and yeah. she's like oh i've been you know in the industry for 40 years and i'm getting ready to retire and now she's sending me some of her clients that she's had for like 20, 30, some of them 40 years, which is such an honor when you're passing the torch. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, yeah. That's okay. Amazing. Well, I, I think,
0: like you said, your services are really unique and there's not a lot of people that can offer what you offer in the way that you offer. So it's hard to be able to bring someone onto your team when you're like, well, I my facials are not just facials. They are yeah. facials with this whole other component. So I totally, totally get that. And you have such a special business with so much um, runway still to go with what you're doing. So um, it's very exciting. Do you, what would you say is kind of the driving force for all that you do? What, you know, if you had to say what your why
1: is, what would that be? Do you want my real why? Yes. Yes. <laughs> to be to make sure that like financially stable is my why I don't know if that's a good why I think it's a good why you didn't have that right I didn't have that growing up and um I understand the value of a dollar and um that is my why is I just want to make sure that you know, I'm good when I get older, my husband's good when he gets older, like all of us are good and he's working so hard. We're we're on the same page for that, right? Like it's just to maintain, we don't know if we want children yet. You know what I mean? We're figuring all that out. Um, but um, that's my why is to just make sure that I'm able to live my best life and make sure that uh we're financially secure. Yeah. And what does the financial security mean to you? What did what does
0: that life look like when you have financial security. You
1: know, honestly, it's very simple. So it's like just to make sure that um, you know, I have a roof over my head and food in my belly. The same things that I wished for now that I think about it when, you know, I was on welfare and in housing. Like I was mm-hmm. that was always my biggest fear, you know what I mean? If my $300 a month check didn't come through, I would be in a panic. Like where's my ma- Yeah, like, yeah. you know. And you don't
0: want to so it's it's would you say it's almost to a point of not wanting to have to worry
1: about those two things? Is one thousand percent yeah. So yeah. and then also like as you work, you you know you start um, yeah, living life. So I want to just continue living life. That's my why. I want to continue living life. Yeah. I want to enjoy it the way that I'm enjoying it now. And I want to continue giving back to people. You know what I mean? And that's going to be one day when I'm done, you know, doing facials and doing the physical stuff, that's when I'm going to lead into my energy healing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So those are my whys.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that financial security is, it makes sense that that would be your, your why, because you didn't have that growing up right mm-hmm. and you and you've always had to fight for that so being able to just feel secure in that but it sounds like it's also that you can keep fueling your dreams your business your passions
1: yeah. right because and that I, I, I want to start like my a fund you know what I mean I want to start the Alana Mirza Davis fund to help young women that were in the shelter system and going back to school with bursaries and scholarships so you know all of that um so there's a much so that's actually a much
0: bigger why there too. It's not no, that is a much bigger yeah.
1: why. I wish you can ask me that question over again. No, no,
0: I love it. I think it's the evolution of your answer is really yeah. honest here because sometimes it's a hard question when somebody asks you what your why is. Trust oh, me, wow. I I've spent a long time uh, working on what my answer to that is. And at first, you know, we might say, okay, it's the the finance, it's the success not having to worry about money, but underlying that it's, I I could tell, I was like, I know she's going to get there. It's about giving back, right? It's for all the things that you didn't have growing up to be able to support others in that. So tell us a little bit more about why that's important to you. And you you said you want to have a scholarship, you want to
1: have a bursary, you want to support women in the shelter. It would be, it would, you know, and just to 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 clarify, like you know, like I said, I just started living my life, so to speak, in twenty seventeen when I really got off the system. Yeah. So that is very fresh to me. So for I feel like I need to defend my first why. <laughs>
0: yeah. No,
1: it's it's yeah. it's not like it was just when you were sixteen. This was into your thirties. Yeah, exactly. So you know what I mean. So now you know, but. None of this would be worth it if I wasn't giving back, you know, even with my energy healing, you know, I'm, I'm not charging for it. You know what I mean? I'm doing it for free. I'm, I'm doing it for free as long as I need to. And a lot of my friends that come see me, they're like, are you charging it? And I'm like, not yet. And not because I don't think that I'm deserving of it, just because I'm still a student in that. And as I progress in my energy healing, I'm realizing, and I've realized that you know what, there's so much more healing that I have to offer the world. And that's when I started thinking about my past. And, you know, I was always trying to figure out how am I going to do this with the shelter? You know, yeah, you you know, I donate. Yeah, all of that stuff. But what can be bigger? So the fund that I want to create is really important to me because when I was going through my education, finances were an issue. You know what I mean? And if I could just concentrate on really studying and focusing on that, then I can like, you know, not worry about my bills being paid or whatever the case may be. And I know that's not the luxury that we have in this world, but if I can create a fund that helps these girls even a little bit, or just to know, you know, and it's interesting. I had a client that I met um, that is from Calgary. I wish I could remember her name. She was an amazing woman and she's bringing technology into the foster care and, and, and shelter system because, and I shared my story with her. And she was so inspiring to me because she asked me, she's like, you know, so, you know, giving money is one thing, but like, do you want to be the person that opens the door? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be the person that opens the door for these young, young women to say, Hey, you know what? I got your back. I get it. I know how hard it is. I know that if you don't have family or people that genuinely love you and care about you and really want you the best for you, there's someone out there that does and this is going to help open those doors for you, even in the smallest way, you know what I mean? So,
0: and for someone, it's not, you might say smallest way, but for some, for one person, it could be life-changing that, that,
1: that support interestingly and I didn't there's so sh- much power in like honestly Farah like in financial stability especially mm-hmm. as women like you know and and why like my fund is going to be focused on women that are living in the shelter system because when you have financial security that's when you can really navigate this life very differently you can walk into rooms with your head held high you can have the confidence that you need all that stuff and I think that you know, sometimes in this world, we look at financial stability as very superficial or stuff like that. But I think it depends on the person that's no. talking about it and dealing with it. You know, I'm not a yeah. superficial person. I'm a very... And I don't,
0: I actually, I don't think financial security is superficial at all. I think it's something that everyone should have. We live in a day and era where that that could and should be possible for everyone, it should be the baseline. If we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs hmm. those are at the bottom shelter exactly. and food and all these things are at the bottom you can't actually get to self-actualization at the top of that pyramid if you don't have those basic needs met sure. so where you're coming from is to say not only do I want this for myself but I want to be able to provide others to have those basic needs met so that they can start living their yeah. best life because it's such a disadvantage when you don't have just even the basics you what what can you can what can you create from there? It's difficult. I actually didn't share with you um, beforehand that I am on the board for the YWCA Toronto. Yeah. And I went just two weeks ago, I just joined the board uh, a few months back and I went a couple of weeks ago to tour all of their locations around Toronto and the GTA and went to um, some of these shelters. And, you know, I will just share with people that most of the listeners listening here today are probably would never know what it's like to be in a shelter, visit one, live in one, grow up in one. And I do think that we're just all so fortunate. We don't realize just even the basic things that we have access to. Um, a lot of people don't. And so I think your story for me is really inspiring because, for you to go from, from that to now this beautiful business that you've built, but that's really centered, your whole business is centered around healing and helping other, pe- other people and making them feel great. And even what you plan to do with your fund to give back. And I think all of us here have the opportunity to do that, whatever our circumstances may be. There's always someone you can help in your world, whether it is just within your family, your broader community to start thinking about how your unique gifts can be of service to others. I really think that is the purpose of life, to be honest, is to know how we can be of service to others in the way that we are uniquely able to, or called to help others in. And you're building your life doing that. And it's really quite beautiful to, to see.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
0: I'd love to ask you one kind of a couple of final questions, but this one, I love to ask everyone, is there anything that you would do differently if you were to go back and start your entrepreneurial journey again?
1: I would take more chances. I wouldn't be so scared to try different things. And, uh, I would take, uh, yeah, I would take more chances. I'll take more risks.
0: I love that. I, I love that. I think we, sometimes the best things happen on the other side of that one chance you took or that one risk you, 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 um, took and you know, that one time you put your hand up for something that you were scared to put your hand up for whatever it is. Right. It'll come
1: back around. So, you know, when it comes back around, don't slap it down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Right. Yeah. The second time it comes into your orbit
1: it's you got to say yes. To that. Feel- right? feel the fear and do it anyway. (laughs) Got it.
0: And any other advice that you have for our listeners?
1: Stay humble, stay true, have gratitude. And, you know, when people ask me, like, how are you successful? And I said, integrity and gratitude, always have integrity, always have gratitude for the people that are spending money with you. They can go anywhere else, in the city, in the world. And the fact that they're sitting in your chair, laying on your bed, doing business with you in general, appreciate that because when you don't have that, you have nothing. If you feel entitled that these people just need to come to you because you're so fabulous, guess what? You're going to have a really bad wake-up call and I've seen it a lot. And it is mm-hmm. not a good look, have appreciation for everyone that comes into your life. And when someone does come into your life, especially as an entrepreneur, and they want to help you like this beautiful woman, Laura, who's sending me some facial clients as she retires, that's a client list of over 30 years. Well, all of them come, maybe not will 20 of them come great. The point is, even if one of them comes, I am so thankful that Mm -hmm. she wants to pass the torch to me. Um, it's an honor. So appreciate all of your mentors, be thankful and never, never start smelling yourself, girl.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I love it because honestly, the, the gift of money or time, Mm -hmm. the, the two resources that people can choose to, to give you, is, is such an honor, right. To, to be able to serve people and have them in your chair or in, in your, like when you think about it through that lens, like you said, they could go anywhere else, but they chose to be there. Right. It is, it is quite an honor, but I think what's really cool is being able to, as an entrepreneur, be able to, to have that, give that to others. Like I always, I always like to say entrepreneurship is true empowerment because being able to be in a position where you have something to offer that you uniquely can do for others mm-hmm. is super empowering, but also because it's empowering because of the gratitude piece. Like when you can actually help somebody, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's incredible, right? So to be able to be fortunate enough to do that is, is, is a gift is mm-hmm. a true gift. Yeah. Alana, oh my gosh, I could sit here and and talk to you and talk about your life for forever. Um, But we are going to wrap up today and I'm just so excited to see where your journey continues to take you. I know it will take you amazing places. And before we do wrap up, I like to ask my listeners just because of my own curiosity to get some inspiration about what you're listening to these days, whether it's a podcast or an audio book or music, or even what you're reading. Uh, can you share that with us?
1: Oh my gosh. I am loving uh, his and her podcast. I, oh, think I haven't heard it's, of it. It's fantastic. I just listened to this great podcast about just like, overall health in general with the owner of symbiotica i have to like say that it was so good it's like a natural supplement line in okay. vancouver they're fantastic but i love his and her podcast and what am i reading i just got a new book called don't quote me on this because i i just got it yesterday and i just got introduced okay. to it it's called the sylvia method uh okay. and it's about meditation it's about um really. um Oh yeah.
0: The Silva method. I've heard, is it Silva? Method.
1: Yeah. 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 I've heard of this. Yes. And it's a meditation method. It's a, it's a way to really meet yourself where you want to go. Okay. This is a whole different conversation, but like, yeah, just, no, I love it. Everyone listening, picture yourself, your future self, your picture yourself now, and just know that there is a thread. Yeah. And just continue to move with that thread, and that thread will get shorter. So the Silva method; uh, those are my two. Those are my two gems right now. I I actually love that you
0: shared that because the person who really talks about it a lot is this guy Vishen Lakhani. I don't know if you know him, but he started Mind Valley, which is this this huge community of you know, personal development resources and mentors and videos and meditation and coaching. And that's mm-hmm. actually um where I've got my certification as a life coach is through Mind Valley. Oh, cool. And so I have seen the Silva Method talked about, it, but I haven't, you know, gone down and listened to the the master classes and things that they have on it. Maybe I'll pick up that book now that it's coming into my world again. Maybe I have to listen to to the thing that's <laughs> that's tapping me there. Um, okay. So lastly, how can our listeners engage with you online? And we'll be sure to to tag that in our show
1: notes. Amazing. So you guys can find me at Alana Davis uh, on Instagram and social media at Alana Davis studio. And for my energy healing, it is happy in her crystals.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you again, Alana. I'm so happy to sit down with you
1: today. You're amazing. Thank you so much, Farah. I really appreciate it. And thank you for creating a safe space for me to share my story publicly. I appreciate that. Oh, you're most welcome.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams Find your calling and follow your heart in your life and business. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and, better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and I will see you next week.